Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And this segment on the podcast we call Theology for Everyone. And we are currently studying the Westminster Confession of Faith, working through it article by article, point by point, to help us and our church better understand um, doctrine, the really core foundational uh, doctrines and doctrines of the church and doctrines uh, of the foundations of the faith. So we are getting down to the last three or four chapters. We're really close. We should be finishing here here soon. Today, we're going to be looking at a very important article. It's uh, chapter 28 of baptism. So we're going to, we've already covered the sacraments, which we hit them kind of from a 30,000 foot view, but now we're going to get down to the nitty gritty and um, look at baptism and then um, the Lord's Supper. So before we do that, gentlemen, I want you to introduce yourself. How's it going, guys? I'm Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Kevin Kenora, Pastoral Assistant. I'm Rob Spexer, Pastor of Discipleship. All right. Well, I guess no need to wait around. Kevin, you want to read it for us and let's get after it. You bet. Baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ, not only for the solemn admission of the party baptized into the visible church, but also to be unto him a sign and seal of the covenant of grace, of his ingrafting into Christ, of regeneration, of remission of sins, and of his giving up unto God through Jesus Christ to walk in the newness of life, which sacrament is by Christ's own appointment to be continued in his church until the end of the world. Okay, large paragraph, but we're going to break it down line by line. Baptism is a sacrament. Remember we talked about sacraments already. They're a sign and a seal of the covenant of grace. Baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ. So Jesus, um, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant had sacraments. They were circumcision and Passover. And Jesus, in fulfilling the covenant and instituting the New Covenant or the New Testament, he um, kind of replaced those. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he initiated this on the night of his betrayal, on the night that he was, the night before he was going to be crucified. And he said, when he was eating the Passover, that this is this bread is um, my body broken for you, and this is the cup of the new covenant, right? Or covenant, co- this is the cup of the covenant in my blood. <clears throat> and then when he in Matthew twenty-eight, when he was getting ready to leave him, he leave him. He said, uh, "Go and make disciples." baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay? So Jesus gave us these two sacraments. Not only for the solemn admission of the party baptized into the visible church. Okay, now this is a weird word. Solemn, basically, this basically means formal. Okay? A formal, so not only for the formal admission of the party baptized into the visible church, So when a person is baptized, that is their admission, their formal, think of it as almost like a ceremony, their formal formal ceremony of them being admitted in Mm. to the visible church, Mm -hmm. okay? Under the old covenant, that was circumcision. A a father was to be circumcised himself, and he was to circumcise his child, Mm -hmm. right? And that was his admission into the visible church. Now remember, the visible church is made up of 
uh, regenerate and unregenerate people because mm-hmm. we don't know who's who's really saved, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So just because you were circumcised did not mean you were saved. Just because you're baptized does not mean you were saved, okay? But also to be unto him a sign and seal of the covenant of grace, okay? So one, baptism or the sacrament of baptism or circumcision in the Old Testament was meant to bring you into the visible church, but it's also meant to be a sign and a seal of a covenant of grace. What text do we have for that? Romans 4.11. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. All right, now this is an interesting point. Many people believe that baptism is a sign of their faith. And this is why they they would believe that you don't baptize babies, because that baby, quote-unquote, doesn't have faith yet. They don't have rational ability to accept the gospel and then profess faith. But the Westminster Confession here says that this is a sign and seal of the covenant of grace. It's not a sign and seal of your faith. Now, as that text was read, faith is a part of the covenant of grace. Mm -hmm. It's one of the gifts of the covenant of grace that God, by his grace, gives us Mm -hmm. that faith. Okay? Now, this is going to be important uh, moving forward. It's a sign and seal of his engrafting into Christ. What text do we have for that? We have Romans 6, 5. (coughs) For if we have been united with him in the death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. Okay, so baptism symbolizes death and resurrection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of remission of sins. Text. That's Mark. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Okay. So baptism symbolizes a lot of things. It's the sign and seal of a lot of things. The covenant of grace, mm-hmm. being ingrafted into Christ, um, regeneration, remission of sins, and... Ha- and of his giving up unto God through Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life. Text we have for that one. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. All right. Now this is important. Baptism is a sign of all of those things. Um, The covenant of grace. So let's just say it like this, that God will save us, that God will bring us into Christ, that God will regenerate us, that God will give us the remission of sins, Mm. and that he'll enable us to walk with newness of life. It is a sign of those covenant realities, the covenant blessings. It is not, they do not here say, it's a sign of my regeneration yeah. or my newness of life. Yeah. This is a sign of those covenant realities. Mm-hmm. So anyone who, we could say it like this, anyone who's elect, anyone who's, who Christ chose before the foundation of the world, these things are true of them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This will happen to them. Which sacrament is by Christ's own appointment 
to be continued in his church until the end of the world. This is the Matthew 28 text. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just given to the disciples or the apostles. It's meant to be given to every single believer until Christ comes back. All right. Now, could it be safely to be said that those who are not of the elect, it also is a sign as well that it is true that these are, this is true of the new covenant of the covenant of grace. I'm sorry, the covenant of grace. And yet uh, it doesn't mean it's true of them, yeah. right? So, so you could be sitting in in there in watchings a baptism and uh, be understanding. Okay, these are the signs of this of these of the covenant of grace, and yet not be the one who's going to actually experience that. It, it, it could be that God would actually use that to convict and to convict a heart to said, "Wow, I want that." And, yeah. and then there could be a place of a moment of, of <clears throat> faith or trusting in that. Yes, remember that a covenant is a solemn oath given by God. It's a, or a formal oath, a formal bond, relationship that is defined by blessings and curses. Mm-hmm. So blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. So baptism is also a sign of what will happen if you do not put your faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You will be drowned in your sins. Your sins mm-hmm. will not be cut away from you. Your sin, mm-hmm. The guilt of of your sins will remain on your head. Mm. You will be remain dead in your sins. You will not be regenerated. You will not walk in newness of life. So yeah, there's the, the there still is the blessings and the, and the curses, mm. you know, and it's a sign and seal of that reality. So I think we miss something and, and a specific um, version of Baptists miss something when they make baptism just a sign of their faith. Mm. Okay. Just a sign of their faith. <clears throat> I think that's that minimizes the the meaning and the purpose of baptism. It, it's a sign of way more than just. It's it never we in that whole article it never once said that baptism is a sign of our faith. Yeah, mm. interesting enough. I, I I'd be curious. Uh, so I I know that when I've explained it before, we've actually done either a pedal baptism, particularly when we're doing pedal baptism. Um, but I, I've explained it too in terms of immersion that I have expressed the statement that hey, this is looking forward. So it's a baby looking forward to their day of trusting in Christ as a Lord and Savior. Or baptism is we're doing immersion, a looking back to that day in which they trusted in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. So I'm, I'm kind of now rethinking: is that a good thing to be saying? Because I don't want to confuse folks with the very thing that you're saying, which is that this is a sign of their faith, which yeah. is of course what they're they're, yeah. they're kind of pushing against. We're no, I think we have to be careful there because when we're when we're looking forward, and we're going to see this in later articles, yeah. that is a, we would say that is a result of mm. their baptism. Yeah. That is a result of their that the baptism really is doing something, and it's meant to produce them produce in them faith, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so, it's not. So first off, none of these things are true of them, regeneration, newness of life, yeah. until they have faith, Yeah. right? right. But yeah. God already knows, and in God's mind, because he knows if they're elect <laughs> or not, that he, he already knows. And so um, I don't think it's improper to say that, but it's, it is improper to make faith the, 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 um, the thing signified yeah. by baptism, right? Mm-hmm. right. right? <clears throat> All right, let's keep moving. You want to read Article 2, Kevin? Yeah. The outward element to be used in this sacrament is water, wherewith the party is to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost by a minister of the gospel lawfully called thereunto. 
All right, this one's pretty simple. We shouldn't have to spend too much time here. The outward element to be used in this sacrament is water, okay? So we're not meant to be baptized in blood or baptized in Kool-Aid. Wherewith the party is to be baptized in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So here's the only two elements that you really need, Mm. water and Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, okay? Now, I don't think they care about the order, Rob. They don't really care about the order. (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) Rob likes to mix them up now now and then. (laughs) But it's that that you're in all three persons of the Godhead, Mm. right? Now, it does say here, by a minister of the gospel, lawfully called thereunto. We've we've talked about this in the past. We think it just needs to be under the authority of the elders, Mm -hmm. under the authority of an ordained minister, not necessarily done by ordained ministers. But we don't want... It needs to be properly understood yep. and properly administered. So Uncle Joey down in the river probably shouldn't be doing it unless he's under the authority of the elders. <laughs> so yeah. why is it that some religions may uh, baptize just under the Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> okay. Probably, probably denial of the, of the Trinity, obviously, well, there's, in, in that context. Yeah, is that what you're referring there's to? There's two different reasons. One is, um, I'm not going to get into this, but an understanding of the Trinity called modalism that separates God and, and puts them into kind of three different modes of being um, that creates, that's a heresy that would, but, but the one that the practical one that I've encountered the most is Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. But then when you move over to the new Testament, um, Luke gives this description of them baptizing in Jesus name. And they say, yeah, Jesus said to do this, but look how the New Testament church did it. They just, and they assume there, because Luke says they baptized him in Jesus' name, that they didn't baptize him in the name of Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So it's kind of an, it's kind of like, this is what they did. It's an argument from maybe practice mm-hmm. rather than argument from what Jesus told us to do. Yeah. That's the that's the arc, that's the yeah. argument that and I've encountered. When they're saying it in Jesus' name, what what I think Luke is saying there is he's saying the authority that Jesus has given, and then we looked well. What did he say when we were to baptize? Which he said, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. So that's yeah. yeah. If it's in Jesus' name, do it like Jesus said to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah for sure. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Now we're gonna get into some controversial <laughs> stuff. Want to read Article Three? three? Dipping of the person into water is not necessary, but baptism is rightly administered by pouring or sprinkling water upon the person. Give me a text for this before I jump into it. Yeah, Hebrews 9, verses 10, and then 19 through 22. But deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. And then verse 19. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people... He took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Okay. So, many modern-day Baptists get in all kind of problems, get themselves into problems, they get into kind of, they get very dogmatic when it comes to this point. They say things like, 
the word baptizo in the Greek only referred to full immersion, full dunking. And I don't, I'm just going to say straight up that that is poor scholarship, that there are many places that baptizo is used when it does not mean full immersion. So um, specifically in um, 1 Corinthians, where it says that they were baptized into Moses mm. when they went through the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. The whole point of the story of the Red Sea is they didn't swim across. Yeah. They, didn't, they weren't dunked. Yeah. They weren't soaked head to toe. The whole point was that they made it through on dry ground. Mm-hmm. But Paul says that was a baptism. He uses baptizo for, in, that, in that significant point. And there's also other Greek literature and in in, in, in words from the Greek baptizo in the Greek Septuagint that talk about a sprinkling of stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. not, um, so that sprinkling there is a baptizo, right? So it's just poor scholarship. So it's a poor argument. If you ever heard that, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, that baptism can be sprinkling. So the mode of baptism, um, is not the main, is not what makes baptism Efficacious. Okay. Mm. Now listen. Here, here's some other ideas that maybe might uh, take your brain for for a ride. When the Ethiopian eunuch was reading and decided to be, I need to be baptized, and he, you know, the, uh, was it Philip? Philip yeah, interprets Philip. the scriptures sure. to him, and he says, "I need to be baptized." There's water right there. Mm-hmm. In that part of the world, more than likely, this was a puddle. Mm. More than this is not. You know, in the desert, this, there's not, you know, bubbling oasis where they can go and have a nice swim during the day, yeah. right? More than likely, this is a small amount of water that he could not be baptized in. On top of that, the first, the earliest painting we have of Jesus's baptism. Now, this is not, you know, divine or anything like that, but the earliest painting of Jesus's baptism. Jesus is standing in waist, uh, waist deep water with John, and John is ladling water over Jesus' head, okay? So, again, the, 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 uh, the important aspect of this is that it's, we're using water, it's named in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it's done under the authority of elders, not how much water, how much water is used, mm-hmm. okay? So the Westminster divines here wanted to create what we would say today, the more of an open-handed understanding of baptism. Yeah. Guys, just use water. Just use the Trinitarian formula under the authority of the elders. Don't divide over immersion or sprinkling or pouring. All right? <clears throat> hey, think about, I was just looking at Acts chapter 2, and you have 3,000 who are saved that day, and they were baptized. And I, again, where do you find water for 3,000 people, Going, each of them having to be in the sense immersed yeah. versus being able to be sprinkled and so forth. So, yeah, kind of interesting. Article 4. Not only those that do actually profess faith in and obedience unto Christ, but also the infants of one or both believing parents are to be baptized. Okay. Here we go. Not only those that do actually profess faith in and obedience unto Christ. What text do we have for that? Mark 16, 15, and 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe 
will be condemned. Okay, so first off, when a person comes to faith, when they believe, they should next be baptized, okay? Mm -hmm. So when this is, when that was written and when that's going out, this is the beginning of the new covenant. This is the new covenant or final version of the covenant of grace, Mm -hmm. and nobody is getting in through their family right now. Everyone has to be, so all all people have to believe and put their faith in Christ and be baptized, okay? Mm -hmm. That's why when you go to the book of Acts, you know, everyone has to believe and then be baptized. Believe and then be baptized, all right? But also, the infants of one or both believing parents are to be baptized. Now, we have a lot of scriptures here. Contrary to what many people say, there is, you know, there's no text about that, about baptizing babies. Now, I don't know which one you chose here, Kevin, but I've got some in my mind, so go ahead and let's share that one. We got 1 Corinthians 7, 14. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. And then we also have Luke 18. So just stop, stop right there. Holy, consecrated, <clears throat> set apart yeah. for the Lord, based on the faith of one believing parent. Yeah. All right? This is very similar to the Old Testament with circumcision, that the faith of the parent was witnessed in the circumcision of the child, and that child was a beneficiary of that covenantal sign and seal that was given to them. Mm. All right? Go ahead. And we also have Luke 18, 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him, and that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Okay. On top of that scripture, so we see Jesus welcome the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we know uh, Jeremiah... Um, knew the Lord in his mother's womb. We know John the Baptist had some kind of experience in the womb mm-hmm. of his mother when he met Jesus. Um, <clears throat> we know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, we know that God has created us in our in our inmost in our inmost being. Right? Um, I'm literally in that mind. I was singing a song. My kids are singing right now. For you have created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Sang it. (laughs) I can literally hear it. But so we know all of this. And then on top of this, here's what it gets me. Then you have through Acts, we have 12 examples of baptism in the New Testament. Three of those, an adult comes to faith and it says, and he and his entire household mm. got baptized. That word household is oikos. And it can mean household, or it can mean children, right? It can mean infants. Mm-hmm. So we don't, so Presbyterians, um, you know, I, I would say Catholics, Presbyterians, Methodists, Lutherans, I could go down, Greek, Greek, or, Greek or, Orthodox, believe that this is a, a father getting baptized and all of his children in his household mm-hmm. getting baptized as well. Just like you would see in the Old Testament. When a father comes to faith, he circumcises all, all of his children. Okay? So when, when a Baptist says something like, oh, you never see infants get baptized. Well, you, I mean, what, what's a household? Right? What, 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 who's in the household? You, you, you kind of do. Um, but you definitely don't ever see, here's, here's another thing that you don't see. We talk about continuity between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, right? 
thousands of years, the Jews were circumcising their children. And now all of a sudden, the new covenant shows up, and we don't have one scripture that says, guys, you know, your, your kids aren't involved anymore. Now this is just for you. Adults only. This new covenant is adults only here. We, you, ne- you never see that. So think about, we do see him say, you, you don't have to get circumcised anymore, right? You don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. You don't have to go to the temple anymore. All of these rituals that they had partaken in, all of these things, you see him come up really hard and say, we don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. But you never once say, you hear Paul say, oh, no, the kids aren't involved anymore. Mm. This covenant is not for you. Mm. It's for you and your, you know, it's like the covenant's for you and your children. No, 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 it's not, it's just for you. You don't see that hard line. And this is why, I can't remember who said it, but one, one leading reformed theologian who's long dead said, God included children in the covenant of grace and they should remain included until he kicks them out. Yeah. And he, we, we don't see anywhere where he kicked them out. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So this is one argument from you know, the New Testament and from continuity between the Old and New Covenant where we would say, yes, you should baptize your babies. All right? It's included for children. Now, the, 16, the London Baptist Confession of 1689, we're going to go through that next. And they have a different, they have a different understanding of, of baptism, which is, we can, we'll get into it when we get in, when we get into the London 1689, it's still a covenantal understanding. And so they're baptizing their children. They're like three years old, you know, like when they're, as soon as their child is professing faith, they're baptizing their children. All right. It's not the modern day concept of, you know, 10, 12 or wait until they're 14 or 15 mm-hmm. before you're, you're baptizing their, their children. Okay. And let me show you why we'll get into that. Let's, let's read. Article 5. Although it be a great sin to condemn or neglect this ordinance, yet grace and salvation are not so inseparably annexed unto it as that no person can be regenerated or saved without it, or that all that are baptized are undoubtedly regenerated. All right. We don't need to go to the scriptures here because this is very simple. Um, it is a, this and this. It is a great sin to neglect this ordinance. So they're saying it is a sin to not get baptized. If you are a believer and you have not been baptized, it is a sin. Hmm. So you need to get baptized. But grace and salvation are not inseparably annexed unto it as that no person can be regenerated or saved without it. So what he's saying is baptism does not save you. You can be saved and not be baptized. Just like the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. He was not baptized, but he was saved. But if you are saved, it's a sin not to be baptized, mm-hmm. okay? And on top of that, not all people that are baptized are undoubtedly regenerated. Yeah. So I get my uh, credo-baptist brothers who don't want to baptize unregenerate people. So they wait until that person professes faith. And, but here's the problem. We have no idea who's regenerate. Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure. We, we only see what's visible. Yeah. We only see visible professions. We only see outward signs, outward fruit. We don't know what's going on in that person's heart. So the Pado-Baptist, yeah, we just come out and say, yep, we, we baptize unregenerate people. We don't know. Um, Isaac and Ishmael, we, we circumcise them both. And the Lord is going to 
show through their fruit and through their actions down the road and through their own profession yep. who are his and who are not. Okay? The Credo Baptist says, no, we don't do that, but they do it anyways. Mm. <laughs> All right? Yep. But they do it anyways. All right. Article six. Last, no, article six, yeah. The efficacy of baptism is not tied to that moment of time wherein it is administered, yet notwithstanding, by the right use of this ordinance, the grace promised is not only offered, but really exhibited and conferred by the Holy Ghost to such, whether of age or infants, as that grace belongs to, according to the counsel of God's own will, in his appointed time. Okay, this is an interesting article. The efficacy of baptism. So the effectiveness. Mm-hmm. All right. Efficacy means what does it accomplish? Okay. The efficacy of baptism is not tied to that moment of time when it is administered. Now, this is so important. Many people, spe- specifically credo Baptists, they think there's something latent in baptism that once that person goes under and comes up, that immediately it is conferred to them, that this grace is conferred to them. And it's meant to be this divine aha moment where they come up regenerated. They come up set free. They come out totally renewed. They come out with a wonderful experience with God and pictures, and they're going to remember this moment for all time. The Westminster divines are saying, that's not what baptism does. It can for some, but it's the, the, its effectiveness is not tied to the moment of time when it is administered. But by the right use of this ordinance, the grace promised is not only offered, but really exhibited and conferred by the Holy Ghost to such, whether of age or infants, as that grace belongeth unto, according to the counsel of God's own will and his appointed time. So here's what they're saying. When you baptize a baby, God knows if that baby is elect Mm -hmm. or not elect. When you baptize an adult, God knows if that adult is elect or not elect. And grace is conferred on that moment, okay? God does something special in that moment. Now, I want you to think about this. For an infant, God gives them grace in that moment. Grace is conferred, but... They don't, maybe they don't profess faith until they're 20 years old. Their faith, their faith that has been professed at 20 was an outworking of their baptism. Hmm. You could say, in one sense, that their baptism produced their faith. Okay? God, through the Holy Spirit, gave them grace in their baptism that had, that had uh, it was a time-release formula. <laughs> And at 20 years old, right when they need it, bam, that thing went off. Okay, it was a time bomb that went off at 20 years old. So you right? would think everybody would baptize their kids then, right? The way you explained it, it there. Yeah, I, th- I think they should. I think it's a grace that they're, they're missing out on. Now, what about the person that was non-elect? Well, the, the time bomb no, never goes off because it was, it was never conferred to them. It was never conferred to them. Grace was never conferred to them. All right? So the grace is conferred. Is, is, as he says, conferred if they are the elect. Yes. And the efficacy that they start at the very beginning here, the efficacy of baptism, that could be 20 years down the road. Yes. So that grace may start right at that moment. Well, they're saying that grace does start right at that moment, but the actual effect of it won't, may happen 20 years down the road. Yes. That's how you're going. Yeah, yes. got it. 
Yep. Hmm. And, and this is done according to the counsel of God's own will. Okay? His divine prerogative, his sovereign will. You know, we get into Romans 9, Romans 11. You know, um, God makes one pot for good use and one pot for, you know, ugly use. Yep. Right? And that's his prerogative as the potter. As a potter, he gets to choose what, what each person is for. Yeah. Okay. Do I suppose, and you probably you may not know the answer to this question, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious on this particular article. I, uh, we, you just mentioned uh, Credo Baptist, that this kind of addresses that issue, that they're, that they're saying, maybe back then they were saying the same thing, uh, struggling with this thing of what is really happening here in this moment of baptism. Is that probably why this is coming I wouldn't have written this one. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I well, would have missed this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, they okay. The reason they wrote this one, one of the reasons was because there were some sects, S E C T S, yeah. that were saying that one baptism is necessary oh, for sure. salvation. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And two, that after basically, when a person professes faith, they should be. They should already be regenerated, okay? They should profess their faith in Jesus Christ, and then they should live a holy life, mm -hmm. okay? So what happens, and, and we're old enough to know yeah. okay. that like a 10-year-old's understanding of the gospel is not the same as, you know, as a 30-year-old's understanding of the gospel if they're consistent in reading, understanding yeah, we scripture. Hope. And we hope, we hope. But we also know that there are seasons and peaks and valleys in a Christian life where you look back and you can say, whew, when did I get saved? Because yeah. I kind of walked the aisle or I prayed the prayer when I was eight. But then, man, when I went through that difficult season when I was 18, man, I think I was really saved there. Or, man, when I went through that season when I was 30, I felt an intimacy with the Lord. I felt like I was born again when I was 30. Right. I feel like I've been born again four or five times. Right. Well, they're, they're, they're saying that, I mean, that's an outworking of our sanctification. And there, there doesn't need to be this point of holiness that you reach before you, be ba you right. can be baptized. Right. Right. So that's yeah. okay. a couple of the controversies that were going on. Um, yeah, and, and the question of what comes first, baptism or regeneration? Yeah. You know, and they're, 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 they're saying, the Westminster Divine are saying, that question doesn't matter. Mm. Right. It, it just doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because baptism isn't a sign of my regeneration. It's a sign of the covenant of grace, which promises regeneration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yep. And, and why is it, again, that some people think that baptism like actually saves you? There's the, the text in Peter that says, um, it uses those exact words, okay? That baptism, it says baptism, talking about circumcision, and then I'm going off the top of my head if somebody can look it up. I think it's First Peter it. three. Okay. First Peter three twenty one. No, go back a couple verses where it's talking about circumcision, yeah. and then goes into that. Hold on. All right. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. 
baptism which corresponds to this now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Okay. So, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. That's the language that people... Oh, it saves you. And we've talked about in past. It... Say, saves you in what way, right? It, it is it a part of God's order of salvation? Yes, I think I think it is, right? As an appeal to God for a good conscience. So, baptism doesn't save us. Jesus saves us, right? Mm-hmm. But baptism is a sign and seal of the covenant of grace that is fulfilled by Jesus. Yeah, right. And so, it confers grace to us inside the covenant of grace. So it's a part of that salvation from election past in the mind of God to consummation in the future. Baptism is a part of that. Yeah. If we think of it in, that, in those, big, those big terms or that, the, that big 30,000 foot view. Mm. But baptism doesn't save us in the sense that Catholics believe that you have to be baptized to be saved. So if an infant, as soon as a baby's born, you're trying to get that infant uh, baptized in order to, for it to go to heaven, right? It doesn't save us in that um, mechanical sense. Okay. Do you understand that? The mechanical sense of like, if my child dies unbaptized, then it goes to hell. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's not what we believe, yeah. right? We believe, you know, the majority of Reformed pastors and scholars have believed that children born or children in the womb of Christian parents go to heaven when they die. So that could be uh, another a topic where, I mean, we could go off, but where some people are like, well, aren't some people chosen mm-hmm. and some not? Yes. So you just said all babies would, would, you know, go to heaven. No, I said all babies born of Christian parents. Okay. Because of that passage, again, they're consecrated, made holy unto the Lord. Okay. If they're consecrated, then made holy unto the Lord, then how could they go to heaven? How, how could they go to hell without ever sinning or, you know, willfully sinning, mm-hmm. right? So we think they're inside the covenant of grace and grace is conferred to them because God is gracious. <clears throat> All right, last one. The sacrament of baptism is but once to be administered unto any person. Okay, again, dealing with controversies of the Anabaptists. So the Anabaptists were teaching, like we've already, I've already mentioned, I didn't mention it by name, but... Um, you should wait until you're baptized. So let's just say a 20-year-old person comes to faith and they say, I was living like a hellion my whole life. I, re- I was baptized as a baby, but I rejected the faith of my fathers. And then 20 years old, they come to faith. The Reformed pastor would go, ha, 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 That baptism worked. It, over- it overcame your rebellion. Right. And boom, time-, time release capsule went off and now you're saved. The Anabaptists would say, yeah, you were never saved. You were, or you were never, that baptism was inappropriate. We need to rebaptize you again. Yeah. And Anabaptist means rebaptize. So they would rebaptize them. Now, here is the problem. And we've mentioned this in the past. Southern Baptist Convention, they, they say that the average SBC member has been baptized 2.75 times. Why? Because they're trying to de- 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 um, decipher. When did this person really get saved? And then they baptize after it. Mm. And so they probably got baptized when they were eight. 
And then they, maybe they walked away from the Lord a little bit when college and they got baptized again, maybe after college or maybe as a teenager. And then maybe once their family joins another church, that church convinces them they need to up their baptism numbers. And so that church convinces them to baptize them again. Maybe the whole family gets baptized this time. It's a numbers game, man. A lot of times it, a lot of times it is. A lot of times it is. And so the Westminster Divines are just like, no, you should only be baptized one time. Now, what are some... Um, what are some reasons why we would break that rule? What are some reasons why we would baptize more than once? Maybe they strongly feel like they want to be baptized again. Uh, I would. I was I would baptized ask, when I was a kid, you know, and I, I truly want to get baptized. Yeah. Well, we would talk about what's it, what's baptism, what, bapt, what is baptism? What does mm-hmm. baptism signify? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to do it again? Right. Um, and I would try to convince that person that no, you were baptized as a child. It came to fruition here. Your faith was a result of your baptism. Um, so let's let's keep let's keep it there. What any? Can you guys think of any? What about other? A, a time where there, you were baptized, but it was under? You can think of a different context here, but in a cult. But you could also think of it even within a context, maybe a mainline church that just doesn't understand the covenant of, of grace anymore and doesn't you know it's just more of a ritual than it is anything else. That yeah. I could potentially there, but certainly a cult. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, yeah, I think so. I think you're in agreement with that. I think specifically if you weren't baptized with water and you weren't baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh, sure. You know, because remember last time we remember, we, we said that it, it's not the holiness of the person yeah, or, or the holiness of the institution. Yeah, that's right. The, the holiness of the sacrament is in the name and that's it, really, the name. The water, as long as you're using water and, and the name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So there are people that have been baptized in G, only in Jesus' name. Or they've mm-hmm. been baptized in some other weird formula. Or they were baptized without, without it. They just got, just, people just didn't know and they just baptized. Like my son used to baptize himself in the pool when he was a kid. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Baptizing myself. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so that's when I would re-baptize somebody, mm-hmm. is when they had an illegitimate baptism. Yeah. Okay? But other than that, I'm going to try to talk people out of it. Now, there are some people who I can't talk out of it because maybe their parents uh, were paedo-baptists and now they're credo-baptists and they believe that what I believe is wrongly, wrongly they believe wrongly that baptism is a, sign is, is a sign of their faith. They believe now that they have faith, now they need to be baptized. Now, why would they believe that? Because the Bible says, believe and be baptized in the majority of places in, in the New Testament. I would say that context is speaking there to first-generation believers, right? Not It is literally first-generation believers. No second-generation believers are, are, are told to do that. Um, but if they say, nope, believe and be baptized, that's what the Bible says they want to do, I'm like, okay, I'll re-baptize you. you know? So I try to talk them out of it, um, but I will, I will do it. I don't think it hurts anyone, but I, I think it, it, it definitely... I hate to use this metaphor. Waters it down mm-hmm. when you're being when you're being a yeah yeah when you're when you're when you keep when you keep getting baptized yeah, yeah. right if this if if one old lady in the church has seen you get baptized three times yeah. there's a problem with that there's a problem <clears throat> all right any questions any thoughts that's good okay so that is our uh, that's the Westminster Confessions argument for for baptizing your baby as your pastor. I think they are conclusive. I think it is the, um, what the Bible teaches. 
Um, but we can, uh, we have room, we have an open-handed um, issue here, or we have an open-handed, um, because baptism doesn't save us. It is a secondary issue. Um, we can we can disagree on that, but we think that it's a means of grace, and it's, it's going to give grace to your children that I don't think you would want to miss out on. So let's baptize those babies. So if you have any questions, you can email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com or rob at rob at sacredcitychurch.com. Uh, We love you guys. We're praying for you. God bless you.